Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. And if you're listening to this, you're a member of Maximum Fun. So we thank you for your support. We couldn't do this without you. It's a very special episode of the Judge John Hodgman podcast. And joining me is a man more adult than any other man, Judge John Hodgman. What's your internal age, would you say, Jesse Thorne? Like, what, you, what age do you consider yourself to be inside all the time? I think that I have probably, my, my internal and external ages have probably evened out. The two lines on the graph have connected here at yeah. age 40. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're an old, you're an old, look, we can say, because this is Judge John Hodgman after dark. This is the one that's going to have a little E next to it for explicit material. Fuck this yeah. one's for adult. This one's for adults, and I'm gonna say it right now. You're an old fucker because my internal age has always been 39. <laughs> Jack Benny style. That's how old I am. I get a Jack Benny reference. 1971, born 1939. But my the, the graph crossed a long time ago. I turned 39 11 years ago. Now I'm now I just feel outside of my body all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but when I was a child, I felt 39 and I wanted to be 39, but primarily because, not because I was ready for adult things, but because I was definitely not ready for sexual adolescence. Hmm. I just wanted to skip from 11 to 39 and become the sexual, oh my goodness, did you hear that engine revving in the background? Yeah, is that a motorcycle? A motorcycle here near my house. This is already the coolest episode of all time. We're going to talk about adult things. We said and the there's F a guy word. on a chopper in the background. We said the F word and the guy went vroom, vroom. <laughs> Jennifer Marmer, are you here? Are you here, producer Jennifer Marmer? I'm here. My okay. ride just left Jesse's house, but I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer Marmer, I have a request. Okay. Every time, this is Judge John Hodgman after dark mm-hmm. adult episode. Mm-hmm. Every time I swear, or Jesse swears, please add the sound effect of a Harley revving. <laughs> so let's give it a try. Ready? Okay. Fuck. Yeah, that's what I want to hear. Vroom, Love vroom. It. Yeah. Love it. All right. The point is, I don't like, I really had to gear up to say fuck just that. All right, there we go. There's the sound effect. <laughs> I had to gear up to say that word because I, <laughs> I'm actually not so comfortable around adult things. I'm comfortable around teenage pretentious things, but actual adult life, whew, I don't know if I can hack it. I'm a little, and Jesse, I know you've been so excited about this episode. I even tried us to get us to not do this episode. Remember? I think this is exciting for the fans. I know it's exciting for the fans, but they're getting to I'm see swe- a different I'm, side of us. I'm I'm sweating. I'm sweating over here. Well, let's get into the cases and okay. we'll see how it goes. I'm blushing already. We went on social media and we asked for your most adult disputes. And we define adult broadly. Could be right. about human sexuality. They could be about uh, mood-altering products. Mm-hmm. Could be about PBS. There's a lot of options here. Yeah. Primetime PBS, like Frontline or something. Also, adult themes like uh, creeping feelings of irrelevancy. Those are the ones I'm most comfortable with. Here's a case we got from Reddit user J of the Internet. 
My wife won't let me stick my hand out the car window like the full-grown <laughs> adult I am because she has an uncle who lost his arm in a car accident when his arm was out the window. All right, that's not so bad. That's yeah. not so bad. That doesn't make me feel funny feelings. Jesse Thorne, do you like to drive around with your hand out the window? I like to drive around with my windows down, and I'll put my arm on the door jam. I'm not right. a big airplane motion maker. <laughs> That feels yeah. That feels like a like a passenger seat uh, pastime anyway. Yeah, that's that's like if you're if you're in the back seat on a long car trip with your with your parents or guardians, particularly in the seventies or eighties when you might not even have air conditioning in the car. That 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 was a luxury. If you had those, if you had the window down, put your hand out, go. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Jesse, when you're a passenger in a car, you ever stick your head out the window and just go uh, like a dog? Absolutely not. <laughs> does seem dangerous, doesn't it? Yeah. But we let dogs do it all the time. Yeah, I don't let my dogs do it because I saw a dog jump out of a car once. It was the worst thing I've ever seen. It's very, very bad. All right, so how do you feel since you appreciate how dangerous it is to stick any part of your or a dog's body out of the car? How do you feel about this, uh, this guy, Jay of the Internet, whose wife isn't letting him stick his hand out? In ordinary circumstances, I would say that, well... Sounds like the dogs are getting very angry right now. Yeah, wait, let's wait for this dump truck that's outside. The dogs are all mad. They're like, we want to stick our heads out of car windows. We want to do it. We want to get those whiffs of fresh air up in our nostrils. (sighs) I think, John, in ordinary circumstances, as they say, all things being equal, my advice would have been that while I'm not one to hang my hand out the window, Jay of the internet is a full-grown adult and can make their own decisions. However, to have an armless uncle for this very reason, (laughs) Mm -hmm. or a half-armed uncle, I think it is entirely reasonable (laughs) for Jay's wife to ask (laughs) <laughs> they not put their arm out the window. <laughs> yeah, I mean, whether or not Jay of the Internet's wife was there to see her uncle lose all or part of his arm, I could appreciate the trauma behind that. I will say this, Jay of the Internet, first of all, don't don't stick your hand out the window and play games with the wind if you are driving. It wasn't specified. I'm presuming you're the passenger, but just so that this court is perfectly clear. If you're driving, don't stick your hand out the window. If you're a passenger, don't do anything that's going to upset the driver. If your wife is driving, for example. If she's distracted because she's afraid you're going, she's going the route of her uncle and you're about to lose a limb, that's no fun either. If you're alone in a, in a, in a taxi cab and she's not around, you can put your hand out the window and do that little thing. If you're in the back seat, go the fun thing is you don't need to put your arm out very far. You don't need to put your arm out very far. Take a look around. Make sure it's safe. If you're in the right-hand lane and you're sitting on the right-hand side in the passenger seat, just stick your hand. You can do a little You can do a little airplane motion, but not if it's going to overly distract your wife. Here's a case from Deanna about something very adult, practicality. 
oh, I'm liking all these adults. I thought this was all going to be about hugging and kissing and, and sexy stuff. Well, we'll this see. This is good so far. Okay. She says, I had twins in 2018. I already had a 12-year-old. At the time, I drove a Chevy Spark. It's a subcompact vehicle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I needed a vehicle big enough to hold all of us and a double stroller. A friend suggested a van. I cringed. Yes, I was in my mid-30s and had three kids, but I couldn't be a van mom. I'm still single. I can't roll up to a date in a van. But they have really cool features and are clearly designed for families, whereas Mm -hmm. SUVs are made for people still trying to be cool. Should I have chosen ease and comfort or pride? It does say here, spoiler alert, I chose pride. <laughs> so sounds like Deanna chose the SUV. Yeah. So this is a this is a retroactive judgment. Was Deanna right or wrong to try to be cool rather than accept a minivan, particularly if she's going out and dating? Jesse, what do you think? SUVs are not made for people still trying to be cool. SUVs are made for moms. This is 2022. We're not having this mm-hmm. conversation in 1995. Right? Tell it. Back when an SUV was for the coolest kids around. I mean, more so than now. <laughs> yeah, SUVs are not inherently cool. If anything, they're just kind of gross, right? I mean, God or whatever, love them. If you need a big four-wheel drive vehicle or whatever. But, you know, they're classified as trucks, and so they don't have to meet certain emission standards. They're they're a workaround for the auto industry to not have to to you know be as responsible as they probably should be, and they're a workaround for adults who are enduring the adult theme of uh, uh, the feeling of increasingly dilapidated relevancy, and they think somehow an SUV is going to make them bigger. I agree with you on that, but Jennifer Marmer, what do you think about Deanna going out on a date as a single mom? Which is better, an SUV? Roll up in an SUV or roll up in a in a minivan? Hmm. I mean, if I were in her position, I think I personally would feel more comfortable in an SUV in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you drive? What, what do you think? I don't I don't know cars very well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jen would drive uh, a GMC Yukon. I learned to drive on a on a uh, GMC Suburban. That's what the car that I learned to wow. drive on. Wow. You learned to drive on a Suburban? I did. That's a hard adaptation to any other car. Once you learn, that's a very specialized skill. Yeah. It was my mom's car. She right. had three John, kids. She, Jen's mom needed it because at the time she was riding on Jen's sister's shoulders and they were wearing a trench coat. <laughs> <laughs> Jen is very uh, she, small and so is her yeah. mom. Yeah. Yeah. But she had three kids um, and she also had a ceramic painting store at the time. So she needed something that could fit all of us and our friends. And then occasionally, you know, boxes of, you know, ceramic things that are going to be painted by people later. Unglazed coffee mugs. Exactly. Exactly that. That was the word that I couldn't think of. Um, So the and she got the SUV, a big SUV. Because she yeah. didn't want to drive a minivan. And because for that very reason. Yeah, she did not want to be a minivan mom. Because minivans are, are associated with non-cool, non-sexiness. Yeah, and when 
I became a mom and my family needed a bigger car. Yeah. A van was not even part of the conversation. My husband and I were yeah. like, that's not what we're doing. And we got a, a small SUV. We only have the one kid. Um, yeah. And there was a moment where I was driving and I caught my reflection in a mirror, like in a shiny window, you know? Yeah. And my hair was like bundled on the top of my head in a messy manner. And I just, I was taking my kid to school and I, I looked at myself and I was like, wow, I really look like a mom right now. I thought you were going to say, wow, I look hot as fuck. No, yeah. no. Let's hear that. Oh, where that really come from? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, first of all, being able to drive a Chevy Suburban, that's a real skill. <laughs> I had to rent one for various human and personal cargo related reasons for about a week. And the the first hour that I was driving it, I felt like I had landed a 747 on the FDR on the west side of Manhattan. And I was scared. I really felt like I'm just going to bump into everything. It's yeah. such a huge vehicle. It's unwieldy. I knocked over like one of those blue postal service letter drop boxes in that car when I was learning to drive. Knocked over a mailbox. That's called a mailbox. Fa- yeah, don't get fancy. It's a mailbox. You don't try to hide hide behind your fancy lingo. You trashed well, okay. the mailbox. It's a mailbox, but not like one of those ones on the like, it's not a personal home mailbox with the one stem sticking out in the little flag, you know. No, you're talking about it's an R2-D2, like a blue R2-D2. You knocked it over? I knocked it over. With I a suburban? All the way over? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you probably didn't even notice till you got home and you found you were dragging that mailbox the whole way. Oh, it was very Suburban's dramatic. insulated. It was upsetting. I mean, that speaks to my mind to the one of the problems with SUVs, which is that their belt lines are so high that they're much more dangerous for other people yeah. on the on the who are using the road, especially pedestrians. Right, yeah. you can't see over the hood very well. You can't see over the hood, and and the no. uh, and the bumper, which is going to be what hits someone who's standing on the road, is much more likely to hit uh, their internal organs rather than their legs, and it's much more mm-hmm. likely to drive them under the vehicle rather than over the vehicle. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't thrilled about the, you know, moving from a sedan to an SUV, you know, in my adulthood after the Suburban and I had my own first car that was like right. a normal car. Um, I, you know, vowed to myself I was never going to drive an SUV again. I'll tell you a story, though. I was driving this Chevy Suburban this one yeah. time once I got used to it. And it was it was all black, brand new. It had a charging pad in the in the center console and the center console itself was about five feet wide yeah like i was so and i'm sitting in this thing i feel i felt like a i felt like a professional chauffeur <laughs> and i and i got a text from a property brother wow and i said out loud hey i just got a text from one of the property brothers and i'll tell you something the seven 12 year olds that i was carting around in that suburban freaked out i was the coolest guy on earth <laughs> I was the coolest guy on earth driving a Suburban getting texts from a property brothers. The 12-year-olds loved it. Loved it. Nobody loves house flipping like 12-year-olds. They love the property brothers. Everyone loves those property brothers. Property brothers, go and judge John Hodgman. They'll do it. They're nice. I like them. But I got to agree, like, that's, that's cool for a dad driving a Suburban. But that's not, I don't think, cool for a mom showing up on a date. Unless it's a cream-colored Lincoln Navigator. I'd be very, if I were going on a date, my date pulled up in a cream colored brand new Lincoln Navigator. I'd be like, what's, I don't know if I can handle this. 
But I'll tell you what, I do know a, a single mom, uh, and she is in, in sort of in the same age and kid range as Deanna. And she has a minivan. And you know what happens on in her life? She fucks. <laughs> <laughs> Going on a lot of dates and making a lot of friends. Good. I think being who you are is the coolest thing you can be. Absolutely. Have the vehicle that makes the most sense for you. Don't have the vehicle that is trying to be something else. If you're not a cream-colored Lincoln Navigator, you might be a silver Chrysler 2007 town and country or whatever. That's who you are. That's the sexiest thing that there can be, I think. I mean, I've been married for 22 years, monogamous for 32. I don't know. I don't know. But I think being who you are is the sexiest thing possible. Find the car that is the best, the right fit for you. So, Deanna... I hope I hope you pick the car that's right for you. You'll know. You'll know if you are getting out there and, you know, fucking. F-U-C-K. I hope that that's what's going on in your life. And by fucking, I don't necessarily mean intercourse and hugging and kissing. I just mean like just having the time of your life with partners who you enjoy and who respect you. Just fucking, sorry, boss for room. Just effing doing it to the limit. Oh, I feel so dirty now. Give me a couple of gavels to clear my palate. Thank you. All right, I'm ready to move on. Let's move on to the next topic. Uh, later in this episode, we'll be talking more about dating and adult hugging and kissing. Oh, boy. So make sure to stay tuned for that. But Jesse, Jennifer, these next couple of cases are about recreational use of alcohol and marijuana. And if those are topics you'd rather not listen to us discuss, you can hit your fast forward button about 15 minutes, 15 minutes. Jesse, we've got 15 minutes to talk about drugs. What's the next case? Well, we have a submission here. And by we have mm. a submission here, I mean, somebody asked me this question on Twitter and then I think they deleted it later. <laughs> Maybe they were scared of the cops reading Twitter or something. Sounds pretty spicy. I can't wait to hear what it is. I'm going to have to paraphrase it, and I will not attribute it. Uh, the question was from a gentleman who said that when he goes on long road trips, mm. he will sometimes use marijuana Uh-oh. before driving long stretches of road. So he will be under the influence of marijuana while driving? Yes. His wife objects to this. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Is he sticking his hand out the window, too? Probably so. He's driving? He's driving. The question answers itself, anonymous dude. You know you know why you're asking this. You're begging to be caught. I bet you I'm going to get a bunch of letters, Jesse Thorne. I bet you I'm going to get a bunch of letters saying, it's not actually that bad to drive while moderately stoned. George Washington drove while smoking <laughs> hemp ropes. Probably I'm going to get a lot of a lot of letters from the uh, the George Washington crowd. You're right. You're right. Probably going to be like, I drive my buggy down the roads of old Virginia all the time, having enjoyed some uh, Mount Vernon, Mount Vernon style dank buds. <laughs> Nothing ever happens to me or my wooden teeth. Just trying to think of every dumb thing I've ever heard about George Washington. 
I did drive that buggy into a cherry tree, though. I cannot tell why. <laughs> and I owned slaves. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Your marijuana hero owned a bunch of slaves. So unless it's the 18th century and you're wearing a powdered wig and you don't own slaves, even then, I would say, stay out of the driver's seat. Probably the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going you're gonna to go off the highway into a ditch if it's the 18th century and you're wearing a powdered wig. But I will say this also, like marijuana is different now. That's what I've read and have very occasionally experienced in my adulthood. And it just takes a, I mean, yeah, it's, it's not, even having a couple of beers before driving. It takes a second. It takes a second to have a fatal car crash. Yeah, just don't. Just don't do it. Other people are on the road. Yeah, but I'm driving in the middle of Montana at 3 a.m. Just uh, let your wife drive. I was reminded a couple of years ago, driving stone cold sober in New York City at a can't go too fast, taking a left turn after dropping off uh, my son. And uh, and I had to hit the brakes real hard because there was a pedestrian in the walkway that I hadn't seen while I was making the turn. Didn't didn't make contact. Gave us both a scare. Neither of us were too upset by it. Well, I mean, I think we were both upset by it. Honestly, I think he was upset by it. And I was definitely rattled by it because if I had not stopped just a second earlier and I'd made contact with that guy, my whole life could be different. And his too, obviously. Even, even if it didn't do anything except, you know, hurt him a little bit, I could be in a lawsuit and deserve to be. Getting into a car is dangerous enough, particularly if you're driving like a Suburban. No offense, Chevy Suburban. You know, as Jesse was pointing out, those big, big SUVs, you can't see what's in front of you. You are up higher, but you can't see things that, that are closer to you and that are lower to the ground. So you might hit an animal. You might hit someone's dog. You might hit a person. Anytime you step into this massively heavy iron conservation of momentum machine it is very possible for you to take a life animal or human your own or someone else's and you don't want to get any closer you don't want to increase the risk of that any more than you absolutely have to so no don't smoke weed on a road trip you you disagree with me right jesse i mean i'm on a road trip and i'm high as fuck wow of course i agree with you thank you Jennifer Marmer. Can you imagine if I disagreed? <laughs> it would be really funny. It would be really funny if you did. It would be alarming, no. I think. No, don't <laughs> do it. If you just turned on your mic and went, blaze trees! <laughs> I don't mean to be, I mean, I don't want to be a dad about it, but I gotta be. Wait till you get to that Motel 6. Wow. That Motel 6 in the middle of Wyoming? Yeah, you could turn on the Property Brothers and... Maybe you turn on the Property Brothers or watch some HGTV. Blaze trees. Get some tacos that you got. You eat in, you eat in your eating bed. Burn it up. Just wait till you get there. Let your wife drive. Here's something from Clay. How early in the day is too early to start drinking? I'm of the opinion that it's never too early. Just depends on what kind of day you want to have. Oof. My boyfriend is a basic AF 5 p.m. person. What does AF stand for? As fuck. Vroom, vroom. 
It's like the dirty Pee Wee uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse in here. Well, I know, I know from, I just started traveling in airports again. And I was reminded that if you're in an airport, you're in a timeless void where it is apparently fine to have a Bud Light at 7.30 a.m. <laughs> or, or a vodka tonic at, at 7 a.m. I try not to be judgmental. I know those people aren't, well, actually, I'm not sure that those people aren't flying the plane. <laughs> that, that's happened. But for the most part, they're not flying the plane and they're probably terrified of flying. And There are better ways to work through your terror. Jesse, you don't drink. No, I grew up in two houses, one of which was presided over by two recovering alcoholics, and one of which was presided over by a uh, a sober person for whom alcohol was a migraine trigger. I just thought, better never to get involved. Yeah. Jennifer Marmer, do you enjoy a, a cocktail from time to time? I do, yeah. When is day drinking okay? I think it really varies depending on the, like what is happening and it's contextual, who you're with. obviously. Yeah. Um, like if I'm on vacation with my family, mm-hmm. my family is a very big. It's five o'clock somewhere, ha ha ha. Um, yeah, type of family on vacation, right? Right. Um, you know, or we'll enjoy a mimosa from time to time at brunch. You know, and or a Bloody Mary. That's not technically true, by the way. It can't be five o'clock somewhere all the time. Can't it? I think a lot of times it's probably like five seventeen or whatever somewhere. Yeah. If you yeah. if you go to like Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville restaurant at the Flamingo Hotel in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. I think it is always mm-hmm. five o'clock there. They said all the clock. Uh, time is a construct. Uh-huh. It could be that Margaritaville has its own time zone. Mm-hmm. legally legally given to it by the state of Nevada saying yeah. it is always exactly 501 you're you're stuck perpetually exactly in time at 501 exactly i mean when i was in my early to mid 20s living in brooklyn there was a place in williamsburg that we used to get brunch at that had really good brunch deals uh, yeah. not great food but um you know that would start we would meet at a, like noon or whatever with mimosas or Bloody Marys, and that would start a day of Sunday day drinking. And it never felt problematic. Tw- if you're in your twenties and you're at brunch and you're eating food mm-hmm. and you're social, right? And you're pacing your uh, your Bloody Marys out, and your Bloody Marys are the kind of Bloody Marys that are coming with fourteen pounds of celery in them, <laughs> exactly, and like. And like five giant cubes of cheddar cheese and so forth exactly exactly you know it wasn't like we were like "Ooh, gotta have that alcohol to get through the day (laughs) it wasn't a problematic drinking it was just like a fun time look i i know a lot of people whose lives have been either really harmed or irreparably changed through alcoholism it's something that i'm very conscious of and i am someone who enjoys a cocktail um, so I think a lot of, about, you know, what is what is positive behavior and what is negative behavior. I think it does. I think it really. I think the most adult thing to do is to interrogate your own use of intoxicants and make sure that it's making you happy rather than covering up sadness. Yes. Um, and I, but I will also say this: when when you're in your twenties. Let me tell you a little, a little parable. 
early on in the pandemic, when things were, were quite rough here in New York City. It was not the first wave of just sheer terror and horror and sadness. It was like it had, it had become part of our lives. And one of the things that had become part of our lives was we we're going to wear masks all the time, all the time, inside, outside, everywhere around time. And my wife, who is a whole human being in her own right, and I would take frequent walks in the park in order to just get some, get out of the house that we were all, you know, trapped in, that we were all stuck at home. We'll take a walk through Prospect Park. And as spring sprung and uh, young people's minds turned to becoming closer friends with each other, we would, we noticed the park getting more and more crowded. And at the time, cases were going down as well. We still had our masks on because for us, then in our uh, late 40s, you know, right on the cusp of 40 to 50, staying home most of the day and then taking a walk in the park and then going home and eating food and going to bed at 7 p.m., while definitely a change in our lives, not so bad, kind of fit where we were in our life. Right. Kind of fit where we were. I realized walking around and seeing all these young people that, that they, they're, not, they're not ready to go to bed at 7 p.m. It's not their time in life to go to bed at 7 p.m. People in their 20s into their early 30s, obviously. People who are, are single. We decided to get off the main road because it seemed pretty crowded and we kind of felt a little unsafe and we also kind of want to get out of the way of these young people, let them do their thing. So we took this side trail, this little wooded trail through the center of the park. And sure enough, in the middle, in the middle of the woods, we weren't getting away from any kids. We ran right into them. <laughs> Eight or 10, 20 year olds hanging out in the middle of the woods, hiding, hiding from their moms and dads, as it were. Masks off, tall boys of some cool beer in hand, just having a good time together. Irresponsible? For sure. Day drinking? Absolutely. D was I annoyed by them? Yes, I was. I wanted those kids to get off my lawn, but it wasn't my lawn. This was a public <laughs> park. And I appreciated, I, I ended up feeling a lot of sympathy for them. Because for these kids in their 20s, this is not their time. This is not their time to go home and binge watch shows and go to bed early and be relieved that you don't have to get out there in the world and meet people and try to form meaningful relationships and define who you are and and everything else. This is their time. You ready for it, Jennifer? Yeah. This is their time to fuck. Now, I urge everybody who is having a drink at any time, proceed with caution. This stuff ruins lives and it can ruin a life over time or it can ruin a life in a night. Be careful. But yeah, if you're in your 20s and you're out at brunch, have a mimosa. That's what you're in your 20s for. If you're in your 20s and you're out at brunch and everyone's having a mimosa and you don't feel like it, don't have it. That's what you're a human being for, making your own decisions. If you're a guy in your 50s making a connection through New York and it's 7 a.m. 
and all you've ever been told by the media you listen to that New York is full of liberals who want to destroy your way of life and you want to hide from that and drink at 7 a.m., stay out of my way. I'd encourage you to put that drink down and go look around and see this is the greatest city in the world and it's okay to have a multi-generational, uh, incredibly diverse background city and, and it's it, great. But if that scares you too much, I guess you better have that uh, Coors Light. Scaredy cat. I would say that there's no exact right time to drink. The best time to drink is when you are surrounded by friends who only want the best for you and you only want the best for them. And you're not going to do too much and you're not going to get in trouble. But if you're drinking at, at 7 a.m. at the airport, look at yourself. Come on. They don't have mirrors in those bars at the airport for a reason. Go into the bathroom and look at yourself before you get that second or third Bud Light. I don't know why I'm pooping on Bud Light. I'm sure it's a delicious beer. I just don't drink beer. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> It'll do. Should we start a podcast where we rank light beers? <laughs> just you and me, Jennifer. Sure. Jesse can be the Jesse can weigh in on like the label design. I'll do yeah. a podcast where we rank root beers. Ooh. I actually did a podcast one time where I ranked root beers. <laughs> did you really? Oh, yeah, I did. What was your totally number one? beverages and sometimes yes. hot sauce. Tea bash. Oh, that was a great one. What was the best root beer? It was uh, Boylan's root beer, Boylan's. which is a great root beer. It's very clean and uh, kind of fruity. Uh, I I really like it. I sometimes I'm bummed out because sometimes there will be a place that has fancy soft drinks and they will have Boylan soft drinks, which are very good in general, but then they will have a root beer brand of root beer, like a root beer only brand of root beer. And some of those are all bottle, no drink. You know, IBC root beer, completely unremarkable root beer just comes in a nice bottle and costs more. You know what IBC stands for? What does it stand for, John? I be changing my mind. Do not want this root beer. <laughs> okay. Kind of makes sense. <laughs> Nailed it. Boylan's a great root beer. That's all I'm saying. I like a Fox on Park birch beer. Oh. oh, I haven't heard of that. I'd love to try that. Ooh, birch beer is like root beer, but it's clear. I like a birch beer. The Mendocino Farms has a birch beer in their fountain drinks, but I don't know if it's like theirs or if it's somebody else's, but... I love it. A, 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 it's a, a birch beer is a little bit of a cleaner palate, a little bit of a cleaner palate to it. Maybe like a Boylan's root beer, but it's usually clear or it is a uh, red for some, for some reason. Sometimes I also like a polar brand birch beer. The, the, the life, the lifeblood of Worcester, Massachusetts, polar soda. If you, if you cut a human in Worcester, they bleed polar soda. <laughs> That's what I hear. Anyway, ask Mike Birbiglia about it. He's from there. John, you ready to talk about hugs and kisses? Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> and I'm ready. dating and romance. Well, first of all, <laughs> I've had to actually provide. So, you know, when I was promoting my books, there is my expertise, more information than you require. Uh, uh, that is all. Vacation land, medallion status. And another, a, 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 a new short one forthcoming, but I can't talk about it yet. Mm. Can't talk about it yet. Probably not for a couple of years you won't hear about this one. But I would occasionally be asked to um, 
to contribute to magazines, like do some free work for magazines to promote my book, like write a little column or whatever. And sometimes it would be a, a magazine asking me for dating advice. And I would always start the piece the same way. It's like, I met the person who is now my wife when we were 17 and 18, respectively. Um, we dated on and off through college and in New York for a decade until we were married in 1999 and we've been married ever since. I have dated arguably two other people besides that person. So you're asking the right person for dating advice, especially since all of that dating happened in the 90s. And everything is the same now, right? Going out on dates now is the same as going out on dates in the 1990s. But I'm willing to make some judgments. It's the same thing. You have to choose between Ethan Hawke and Ben Stiller. <laughs> that's right. That's what it That's what it basically comes down to. Ben Stiller all the way. Sorry, Ethan Hawke. Even if you're listening, Ethan Hawke, Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller. Uh, uh, I've never interviewed Ben Stiller for Bullseye. I did interview Ethan Hawke once. Uh-huh. And you know how everybody says Ethan Hawke is is so bright and great, and he writes like great fiction and stuff, and he's such uh-huh. actually a cool guy, and so on and so forth. The fact that they need to say he's actually a cool guy tells you a lot about Ethan Hawke. But go on. Anyway, they're totally right. He's he's really great. He's really he's really nice. He's really smart. Uh, he's really interesting, and he's a great actor. So there you go. I know all of that's true. I know it's all true. And he's my neighbor here in Brooklyn. I just can't get past the fact that he he's he got to date Winona Ryder and I didn't. Yeah, he was such a jerk in that movie. Such a jerk in that movie. You're just supposed to like him because he's a poet or whatever. Right. He, he's not a sellout. And he's handsome. Like ben and Stiller he's handsome. trying to help her. Right. And got a Dr. Zayas on his desk. Ugh. <sighs> Team Ben Stiller in Reality Bites all the way. Come at me if you disagree, but I think I'm right. Real talk, Team Janine. Oh, of course. That's the squad. That's you. Go, there you go. Buy it at the gas station convenience store. That's what I say. Let's go. All right. We received quite a selection of cases about dating and hugging and kissing and sex. Let's see how many we can get through. Here's from Hillary. On Tuesday, I made plans with a man on a dating app to meet on Saturday. On Saturday morning, I messaged him to choose a more specific plan. I didn't hear anything and assumed he had ghosted me. On Sunday evening, he messaged me to say that his motorcycle had a hole in the radiator and that's why he didn't respond. Another motorcycle. Then on Monday evening, he asked for a rain check once his bike was working again. Should I give him another chance? As corollary evidence, I will submit to the court that this man's chosen pseudonym on this app is Buttman. <laughs> wow. I mean, really, the question here is, if someone's dating app name is Buttman, should you give them no chances or infinity chances? That's the only two options I can see. Yeah, I mean, I, I, think, that if, I think that if you swiped whichever way is correctly on Buttman... You've already accepted that that butt man is going to be something of a butt man. You can interpret that in a couple of ways. Could be that he likes butts. Could be that he acts like a butt. He definitely acted like a butt when he blew you off. I guess having a hole in the radiator of your motorcycle is an acceptable excuse. I wouldn't want you to ride a, a motorcycle that's too hot or too cold in that area. Dear Hillary, a thousand apologies. My motorcycle... Had a hole in the radiator. This is the sound of me typing. Yeah. It's definitely not just me putting my fingers on my 
Spotify. Dear Hillary, a thousand apologies. My motorcycle had a hole in the radiator and my phone and computer and other communications devices slipped through the hole onto the ground. And I only just found them now. Just send a note, butt man. Send a, send a message. You don't ghost someone just because you got a hole in your radiator, if that is indeed even the case. Once his bike was working again, he asked for a rain check. Should you give him another chance? I don't know. He could ask for a rain check on Friday. What a heel. Tuesday made plans to meet on Saturday. Saturday ghosted. Sunday he messaged to say, "I sorry about that. Hole in my radiator. Then the next day he asked for a rain check once his bike was working again, meaning his bike was working again or once he got it working again, he would like to see me. I don't know. Should I give him another chance? Jennifer Marmer, what do you think? Should Hillary give Buttman another chance? Bye-bye, Buttman. Woo! <laughs> Woo! BBB! <laughs> uh, Jesse Thorne, I take it you agree with uh, our producer, Jennifer Marmer? 100%. Sorry, Buttman. You butt blew it. Yep. All I am saying is give Buttman a chance. <laughs> wow. I have selfish reasons for this, Hillary, because I, I just want to know how much of a butt is Buttman. I'm asking you to go on a reconnaissance mission. I want you to go to a public place, like a restaurant or something like that. Maybe agree to just have appetizers and some root beers with butt man take the measure of this butt man look look butt man in his butt eyes and tell me and yourself if you think he's telling the truth about this motorcycle with a hole in the radiator i don't think that what he did was very classy but i also don't think it's disqualifying and i will say that you are the one who originally swiped on butt man you knew it was Buttman from the beginning. You had to be curious. You had to be at least a little Buttman curious. I don't think you'd be writing to this courtroom if you didn't want me to say, give Buttman one, one chance in a safe environment to take the measure of his butt. Maybe he's called Buttman because he's got a nice butt. These are all unanswered questions that I think you need to have answered, and I know I definitely need to have answered. Did the two of you, John and Jennifer, see the video or animated GIF of Oakland Athletics catcher Sean Murphy uh, catching a pitch in the butt? (laughs) (laughs) Did he actually actually catch it and Uh, hold it? He was batting at the time. Oh, okay. I'm going to share this video with the two of you. Um, here. <laughs> Sorry, I googled it when you said it. Now I'm just looking at images and it's already so I will funny. not google it. I will wait for you to send it to me. <laughs> I've sent it to you in our video conference. Sean Murphy, a young defense-minded catcher for the Oakland Athletics, batting in a game, uh, I believe, against Whoa. the Tampa Ow. Bay Rays. Man. <laughs> oh. I mean, first of all, First of all, all right, I've got some. Uh, oh my God. We'll it's put just this, playing on a loop, and I, it's, yeah. it's amazing. We'll put this video on a loop somewhere for you to enjoy yeah. or in, inspect, I guess, on the Judge John Hodgman Instagram page. 
as well as the show page, MaximumFun.org. But I've got these observations. One, that's a powerful butt. Sean Murphy, you say? That's correct. Sean Murphy, th- that that butt is pure muscle. And the way that baseball bounces off of that left buttock, it like pings off of it like it's ricocheting off a stainless steel wall. It's incredible. The buttock seems to gain tensile strength from having been struck by the ball. It, yeah. it stands proud in defiance yeah. as the yeah. ball ricochets away. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like the butt is reaching back to push that ball away from him. And Sean Murphy, the other thing I have to acknowledge is Sean Murphy's look on his face as he tosses the bat away in utter contempt and disgust. No pain, no frustration. Just come on, man. You hit my butt with a ball? That's what you're going to do? You're going to hit my butt with a ball out here? I'm throwing my bat away in disgust. Boom. Oh, I can't believe it, man. I'm Sean Murphy. You hit my butt with a ball? What are you doing that for? I wish I could be the kind of person who would have that much composure. Should anyone, never mind a major league pitcher, throw a hard ball into my ass? And last but not least, Murph, um, I hope you don't mind. We've been showing your hit-by-pitch from last night a lot. We've been doing all this cake talk. Stu and I had no clue what that even meant. Um, How much feedback are you getting from last night still? Uh, you know, it's, I was saying earlier, it's a pretty, a pretty funny clip. Uh, you know, good job, good job by the cameraman. And, uh, I, I told somebody, you know, I could have, I could have hit four runs in the game yesterday, but it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have outshone that moment. So, uh, you know, social media is funny and, uh, you know, I got my moment in the sun yesterday. Murph, there's that saying, if you've got it, flaunt it. Um, I think that's how we'll end the interview. Appreciate it, All bud. Right. Congratulations. See you later, Thank cake. You. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Steph. Jesse Thorne, you know what I should be? I should be a sports a sports interviewer. Yeah. Because if I were, what I could have said to Sean Murphy and then it's like, I don't think you got your moment in the sun so much as you got your moment in the moon. <laughs> now we're talking. That's a little something called showbiz flair. Sorry, Dave Stewart. I mean, look, I don't know anything else about this Sean Murphy person. And I and I hope that he's a good person overall. But at least in the way in the good humor in which he he got hit in the butt by a very painful fast, or maybe maybe that's a breaking ball, Jesse. No, it I don't looks know like a fastball to me. Yeah, looks like a fastball. Got hit in the butt with a fastball. Didn't he, didn't even wince, and I, and had the the grace to joke about it later. That's pr- some pretty good, pretty good adult content there. He's a he's got some good adult character, I would say. Maybe he's butt man. Hillary, go meet this guy. Maybe it's Sean Murphy from the Oakland A's. Maybe he's the butt man you've always meant to know and and love or like. Let's get serious here. Here's something from Myriad Plethora. Also, I need to know. I also need to know something. Does his motorcycle fuck? (laughs) Here's something from Myriad Plethora's on Reddit. My spouse insists on engaging in marital hugging and kissing pre-shower so she may bathe away any nastiness afterwards. I insist on post-shower marital hugging and kissing because I like us to be void of BO and general day-to-day grossness before rubbing our bodies together like two chicken cutlets in a freezer bag of marinade. A very specific kink, by the way. She has a diminished sense of smell, so it doesn't bother her. 
I have a heightened sense of smell. What do we do? First of all, don't fuck in a freezer bag of marinade. But you know what? Do it. No, it's hot. There's going to be an acid in there. Lemon juice, sir. Yeah, but that could be part of the fun. Balsamic vinegar. I mean, there's got to be... There's got to be marinade fuckers out there in the world. <laughs> I worry about getting into a, into a, I don't know where you're going to get the giant Ziploc bag, but I feel like that's probably going to be wasteful and maybe dangerous suffocation hazard. But maybe that's all part of your fun, myriad plethoras. Pretty cool name. She has a diminished sense of smell, so it doesn't bother her, but I have a heightened sense of smell. I'll tell you this. In my experience of hugging and kissing, having both pre and post showered engaged in intimacy, the post shower is definitely cleaner, but definitely clammier, clammier. Mm-hmm. Pre shower, however, I mean, there's a lot of fun you can have where you're not getting into this, into the smelly parts. You're not getting the, you're not getting the full featured hugging and kissing if you're not getting into the smelly parts. But there's you can get away with some you can get up to some mischief. You can get up to some mischief. But at the end of the day, personal hygiene is a part of hugging and kissing, I think. Because there's no there's no part of kissing that isn't putting your chew hole next to someone else's chew hole. And there's no part of it that isn't in involving those those close, intimate corners. So, you know, it may be myriad plethora is that your partner gets off on the funk of some BO and some other smells. It could be that your partner enjoys it a little literally dirty. You should endeavor to respect that, but at the same time, your partner needs to endeavor to respect the fact that uh, you not only smell, you also smell good. You smell better than a lot of other people. You don't just stink, but you're a super smeller. And then, and that you don't like it. It's, it's just about give and take. I think some days you got to do it before the shower. Some days you got to do it after the shower. But I would recommend personally, take that shower, take that shower, clean up. And then just spend some time drying off. Don't just hop to it clammy. Spend some time drying off. And then maybe there are some odors, if it's true that your partner is into some odors, there are some odors that you can apply. Colognes, perfumes. Jesse Thorne, we did an episode the other week while you were away with our friend Jean Grey. And we were talking about flowers that stink bad. Mm-hmm. Paper whites uh, or uh, gardenias, uh, they have a very strong smell, often influenced by the amount of indole in their profile. Indole, to certain people, because of genetic traits, smell like literal shit. Uh, you know what? I haven't said that word yet, Jennifer Marmer. Let's add a, a sound effect to that. When I say shit, let's have like a sound of a plane landing. They smell like shit. There we go. Thank you. Sounded like a 757 to me.
or like dirty socks or like or like pee they smell like body odor to a lot of people and indeed there are a lot of perfumes that that we discussed on that episode with gene that are designed to smell like stank to smell like funk to smell like heavy duty they're perfumes i dare say it they're designed to smell like sex which maybe uh maybe you know if you can handle it myriad plethoras because you have a super sense of smell maybe that would excite your partner while also dealing with cleanliness odor is a big part of sexual attraction and it can be a, a big attractor and it can be a big turnoff i think you both need just to have a, a real honest conversation about what you're comfortable with and um, find out what kind of compromise you might make. I recommend taking a shower, getting all dry and warm, and then putting a little of uh, the, you know, a little uh, perfume stank on you. See if that does the trick. Here's one from, let's call him Jay. My wife and I have a great romantic relationship and a fulfilling and active sexual relationship. My issue is with what she refers to as the golden ratio. Anytime we are intimate, she says she needs enough time to have two orgasms. If she doesn't feel there's enough time to, quote, respect the ratio, unquote, she insists we wait for intimacy at a later time. Whenever I suggest a shorter session... She fixes me with an icy stare. I love the sex we have. I just think we're missing some opportunities. I'd like you to order her to allow for shorter sessions when the opportunity and moods present themselves. Judge Hodgman, can I start our response with something? Yes, of course, please. All romantic entanglements and physical intimacies are on the Judge John Hodgman podcast encouraged or insisted to be built on the basis of mutual consent. Of course. So if either one of these parties doesn't want to do anything, they're allowed to not do it, encouraged not to do it. So please take our advice on this question in that context. Settled law in this court, if it's not fun for everybody, it's not fun for anybody. Now, perhaps she has agreed to abide by the ruling of this court willingly. And I think that's we'll, we'll have to presume that. I think it's especially true because it, historically in American culture and Western culture and world culture, in heterosexual man-woman relationships, women have not always felt empowered to say, this is what makes me happy. Uh, having two orgasms. Uh, in a lot of cultures, the woman's orgasm is uh, incidental, considered to be absolutely unnecessary. To Honestly, the it's pretty cool that she's got a scheme here. It's pretty. I, and the fact that she calls it the golden ratio, <laughs> that fucks. Yeah. I mess with this golden ratio scheme. I like that it recalls a, a poster of a pineapple on your math teacher's wall. If you don't know what the golden ratio is, I'm reading directly from Google to remind myself and others. Two numbers are in the golden ratio with the ratio of the sum of the numbers, A and B, divided by the larger number, A, is equal to the ratio of the larger number divided by the smaller number. That is to say, A plus B over A equals A over B equals the Greek letter phi, 
meaning the golden ratio. It also means Jay's wife comes twice. Mm -hmm. It's hot. Yeah. Who knew that's what that picture of a Nautilus shell in middle school classrooms meant? Now, all things are not equal. You know, if it were a dude in a heterosexual relationship demanding that he have two orgasms, whether or not his wife has any, that would be gross. But it doesn't come with, it's not, thing. all things are not equal. Having a woman in your life who is able to say, this is what I need to be happy and I'm, I'm standing my ground on it, that's dope. I like that a lot. Is it fair? No, it's not fair. <laughs> it's not fair. And I think Jay's wife, you need to consider also what makes Jay happy. What you don't want is Jay running to a podcast to say, please tell my wife to let us have quickies. No, you need to, you need to be open. You don't have to give him an icy stare or be judgmental. If Jay, if, if what Jay needs is occasionally to sneak in a faster hugging and kissing session. It's not wrong to be generous and let your partner have something that they like to from time to time. But I stand behind that golden ratio. I think, Jay, I encourage you not to be frustrated, but appreciate what a cool partner you have with a really cool naming convention for her own orgasm desires. (laughs) We talked about sex pretty good there. I mean, I, I tried to bring in middle school math classroom posters a number of times. I'm not sure how that landed. Well, it's, that started with Jay's wife. All right, I think I'm ready to go. I think I'm ready for a, for a deeper penetration into the subject. Oh, God. Here's something from... Oh, shit. Fixa6 on Reddit. My girlfriend and I recently introduced a for-her sex toy into our together time and her alone time. We Mm. both agree it's hot and beautiful. Mm. I mentioned we should find a non-invasive for-him toy to add into the mix. Her immediate response was, Ew, ick! I think she and our society have different standards for men and women in terms of acceptable ways to experience pleasure. I don't know what kind of order or judgment to request, except maybe for her to order a toy for me and try to withhold judgment until we've tried it. So, I don't I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just because I'm so incredibly broad-minded, Jesse, but I can't imagine what sex what a for quote unquote for him sex toy could be that would inspire ew ick when her immediate response was ew ick it made me think of bill the cat from uh bloom county i mean who doesn't when when things get hot and heavy who doesn't think about bloom county Bloom County. Well, that Bloom County's bill the cat personally i usually think about doonesbury but yeah you know yeah but what i'm trying to explain here is bill the cat from bloom county uh, always just sat there and vomited up a hairball and said ack that was this whole shtick it was a satire of the very much more popular and and extant comic strip garfield but there was also a character in uh, a, a beloved character in bloom county was opus the penguin and get and guess who had a stuffed opus the penguin doll when i was like 13 
Yeah, your judge, John Hodgman. I had a stuffed opus, the penguin. Probably I was a little younger than that. But, you know, I couldn't throw away any of my stuffed animals until basically I became a hard-hearted college student and then I just threw them away. I was a softie for those plushies. I definitely can see a world in which, as a, for me, sex toy, I brought a stuffed opus, the penguin, into our bed where my partner would say, ooh, ick, get it out. That's weird. Not even sure what I would do with that stuffed opus, the penguin. But for the most part, I can't think of a for him toy that would be so offensive. And frankly, I gotta, I gotta say to Fitix's girlfriend in this situation, ooh, ick to you. It's mean. Someone shares something that they want to have going on in bed, and you're like, ugh, gross. That's hard to recover from. It might not be for you. You're welcome to say, I don't feel like that's for me. But if you actually said, ew, ick, hmm, that's less than cool. That's less than cool, in my opinion. We're, we're making ourselves really, really vulnerable to each other when we get naked in bed. When we express what our turn-ons are. And just as I feel like it's um, unfortunately culturally more appropriate for men in a heterosexual relationship to have agency and ask for what they want than women tend to feel. Similarly, I think it's unfortunately culturally appropriate to make fun of men's desires in, in, in a way that is hurtful to them. Don't you ick anything. Don't ooh ick anything in bed. Be open to it. Absolutely give it a try. Give it a try. Now, as Nas from Love Island says, you get the ick, you get the ick. It might just not be for you. It might not be for your girlfriend. That's something you guys can talk about and discuss. I hope that the the toy is, I mean, I can't imagine, like, there definitely could be a for him toy that is somehow painful or degrading or gross in some horrible way that may not be acceptable and i encourage you listeners you don't need to send me photos of those i got you but if it's within the within the basic realm of what sex toys are i would say have an open mind do you disagree at uh, uh jesse thorne i got a message for fit uh, six yeah Get you an invasive sex toy. No. Yeah. As long as it's invading you. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Invade yourself. If your girlfriend's not into it, that's cool. That's her thing. But you got some you time. Get invaded. It's great. Without a just remember, without a base, without a trace. Jennifer Marmer. Yep. Okay. <laughs> oh, the docket I thought is you clear. Were... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, that's it for this adult edition of Judge John Hodgman our producer of course the leader of the J squad Jennifer Marmer our editor Valerie Moffat we apologize for making this part of your work life (laughs) we're grateful to all of you uh, not just for trusting us with your adult questions or for tolerating us talking about intimate things uh, but also for being members of Maximum Fun. Thank you for joining Maximum Fun. Thanks for uh, paying all our salaries and uh, buying us microphones and everything. We're, we're very grateful to you for that. Thank you. 
we really are. I want to say thank you as well. And, you know, like, ooh, ooh, this is heavy stuff for old Judge John Hodgman. But I think that the principles are basically there. You know, you're making yourself vulnerable to other people. You want to proceed with as much respect and communication as possible. And one thing that I appreciate is that, you know, you, the audience, have allowed all of us, and in particular me, to open up and be vulnerable about our lives, um, both on mic and what happens in our in our off mic lives. I feel safe talking about that stuff with you. I am grateful that you feel uh, comfortable and trusting enough to share your personal lives with us. Uh, and it's a remarkable community that I feel so lucky to be a part of. And I know uh, Bailiff Jesse and producer Jennifer feel the same way. So thank you so much for your support. And just as a final comment on this, the last time you'll hear it, as as difficult as, as it is for me to say, and Jennifer Marmer, we have sound effects for two of these words. We'll have one more, you're going to have to find a sound effect for it. I'll just close with this short poem that I wrote. Fuck. Shit. bit.ly slash dicktown that's what we named our tv show thanks everybody (laughs) oh that's all i got good night everybody maximumfun.org comedy and culture artist owned audience supported